before I get in trouble. Let's pray. Lord, we just love you this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is living and active. I thank you, Colossians 3.16, that your word richly dwells among us this morning. I pray Psalm 81 and 10, as I open my mouth wide, you fill it with your words. And I just thank you that your word, Lord, gives us uh, faith. Uh, Romans 1.16, faith is released. And, and as that happens, we, the power of God is released. And we just thank you this morning that your word goes into our ears. You said in Revelation 2, let him that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And Lord, we know you're saying something to our church this morning. And we receive it in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? We are in a series called On Your Mark, Get Set, Go. And we've been journeying on this journey. My new friend Bruce over here that I've just met, we've been journeying through the book of Mark since January. How many of you are praying we finish Mark before Jesus comes back? We started in January, and I thought it was going to be a 16-week series. I told the staff last year, I said, hey, I'm going to start in January. We're going to do a 16-week series on the Gospel of Mark. How many know I overshot the runway just a little bit? Here we are, uh, mostly through the year, uh, three-quarters of the way through the year, and we're just in chapter 10. But why rush a good thing? This is a good thing. God's speaking to us. So say it with me. Say, on your mark, get set, go. The reason we titled this series, On Your Mark, Get Set, Go, as we study through the Gospel of Mark, is because Mark is an action gospel. Mark is not so much about what Jesus taught. It's more about what Jesus did. How many of you are interested in what Jesus did? How many think we ought to emulate the things we see in the Lord? And so we're going to pick up in chapter 10. Uh, I appreciate our missionary last week sharing, and the week before that, Pastor Michael preached on divorce, and so apparently we didn't make anybody mad. Everybody came back. That's why we let him preach on it and not me. That way you can get mad at him. Don't get mad at the pastor. Get mad at the family ministry's pastor. But we preached on divorce, and, and really wasn't preaching on divorce. It was preaching on God's intent for marriage. God, and I just met a man last night who was married for 23 years, and his wife ran out on him. And he said, I believe in marriage. I tried to make it work. And, and I said, you wouldn't believe how many times I've heard that story. So let me encourage you. I think George and Rita have been married 40 years now. 40 years. Come on, let's encourage these guys. But even though they've been married 40 years, they still have to work and activate and, and cultivate their marriage even after 40 years. If they want to make it to 50, it's going to take some work. If they want to make it to 60, it's going to take some work. And so let me encourage you today, never stop investing in relationships that matter. Never stop investing in, I'm so proud of our Chi Alpha folks and that relationship they have and, and amongst heroes of the church, never stop investing in relationships that matter. So this is kind of where we are now, Mark chapter 10. And I will admit to you that I really struggled with what to teach here in the passage because we're only going to look at verses 13 through 16. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to continue in this series for a while if we only do three verses at a time, four verses at a time. But we're going to talk to you this morning from Mark chapter 10. This is going to be life-changing. This is going to be revolutionary. I wanted to go on and do the next passage, but it was too long, and it really, it really was a, the same topic but a separate topic. And so I want you to open your heart this morning. I believe what I'm going to share today may be the most important thing I've shared in this teaching. Uh, I really have just been, 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 uh, been wrecked here by the Lord on, on some things I've been studying. And, and so this morning we're going to talk about receiving the kingdom of God. Receiving the kingdom of God. Now, if you come in here and you, you're religious and, and you've got years and years of religiosity that you're going to have to go through, some things I say today may kind of rub you the wrong way. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to challenge you enough where you go home and study this for yourself. I'm trying to challenge you enough where you go home and open the book 
and find out if what I'm saying is true. So this morning we're going to talk about receiving the kingdom. Would you say that with me? Ready? Receiving the kingdom. Mark chapter 10 in verse 13. We're going to read it together. I'll read it out loud. You follow on the screen. Mark 10 and verse 13. Here we go. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Hold that slide there, Jared. Say that last phrase. Ready? For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now here's the key verse in this passage. Here's the most important thing that I believe I've shared all year. And I mean, I've shared some pretty important things this year. But I believe this will revolutionize your life. I believe this phrase will revolutionize your Christianity. It will take you to a new level. I believe this phrase will revolutionize our church. If we embrace this truth, our church will never be the same. Not that we aren't doing some things well and not that we don't have some things going well and going good for us. But if we embrace this in a year from now, you will not recognize our church because of this one principle. In a good way, in a positive way. Look at verse 15. It's the key verse. Verse 15 says this, Mark 10 and verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Let's read that verse together. Ready? Let's read it out loud. Ready? Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Look at verse 16. So Jesus took them in his arms, the children, and he began blessing them laying his hands on them. And as I began to prepare every resource I read, and as I began to start, this is all about blessing children. All about children can encounter God. And that is so true. There's some principles here we can catch from this. Number one, children can, can flow in the things of God. Children can experience Jesus now at a young and early age. I was seven years old when I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me that children can't be moved upon by the Lord. And so I'm telling you, we can love that. We can release our kids. And that's why we love them being in here for worship so they can be exposed to God's presence in a powerful way. But that's not the truth this morning that I want to bring. We also see in this passage the laying on of hands. We see Jesus blessing them. How many know there's something powerful about a touch? How many know as a kid you just wanted mama to hold you? Or as a spouse, you just want your spouse to hold you? Or you see a friend, you just want to hug them and shake their hand. There's something powerful about a touch. Jesus blessed them and he touched them. And these are all great things. And, and then we see here the disciples rebuking Jesus because Jesus is the mighty teacher. Jesus is a very important one that day. He's got a very busy schedule. Everybody wants to get to Jesus. And the, these little kids come running up. And, and the parents are trying to get in to let the children be blessed by Jesus. And the disciples are saying, no, 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 the, the, the master doesn't have time for your children. How I many know God always has time for the children? Let me tell you as a church, if Jesus had time for the children, we should make time for the children. In all three of the Gospels, in three of the four Gospels, we see this passage. That means children are important to the Lord. We need to invest money and resources and time and energy and people in our children. I can tell you right now that we have an opportunity in our prequest to really make a difference. Everybody keeps having babies. <laughs> Everybody's having babies. We have a ton of babies back there. You could really be a blessing. You could watch those little babies and you could pray over them while I'm in here preaching. You could free up the mom and dad so they could really hear and learn from the word and you could pray and bless over those little babies. Tara Lawson, would you wave at everybody? 
Would you love a couple of volunteers in pre-quest? We would love a couple of volunteers in pre-quest. How you know if it's important to Jesus, it should be important to us. Can I have an amen? So notice this here. These are all things that we could pull from this text. But the Lord began to stir something in me a little bit different. It's not, it's not just about blessing the children. The gospel's not just about love, and the gospel's not just about grace and forgiveness. All those things are there, and all those things are good, but there's a central theme to the Bible. And I'll begin to study this, and, and I'll be frank with you. I didn't really see this pattern until studying this for the last few weeks. I knew about it. I'd heard people say it, but it, it had never become rhema in my heart. You know, there's two words for the Word of God. There's logos, which is the written Word of God, which everybody has. But when that written word of God becomes alive and real in your heart and God reveals things to you, it becomes the rhema word of God. It becomes the spoken word directly to you. And so I, I began to receive rhema word from the Lord about the, the kingdom of God. And I'm going to tell you this, and, and I want to challenge you to search it out. Really, if you boil it down, the message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. Time and time and time again, Jesus said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Even in a minute, we'll see John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we think God is teaching on love, which he does. We think Jesus' message was about forgiveness, which thank God for forgiveness. But if you really take an honest look at it, you know what Jesus preached? He preached the kingdom of God. Say amen three times fast. Amen. Or just sit there and watch me take a drink. It's giving you an opportunity to participate. <coughs> All right, so this week we're going to talk about receiving the kingdom of God. Look at this slide here. Next week we're going to talk about sacrificing for the kingdom. How many know attendance just went up already? And then the third week we're going to talk about suffering for the kingdom of God. We're going to set a record attendance that day. Can I have it? Amen. So this is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. You cannot study the Bible without hearing and seeing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Those, those terms are, for the most part, interchangeable. There's minor differences, but for our intent purposes, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, those terms will be interchangeable. It's really the message Jesus preached. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2 says this, Now in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, look what he said, verse 2, Repent, somebody say repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say the kingdom... Is at hand. Is this the message John preached? Go down to Matthew 4 and verse 17. Let's just travel through this progression. And this is all through the Gospels. So from that time, somebody say that time. Jesus has been baptized by John, and we understand that Jesus is now released into ministry. And from that time, look what Jesus began to preach. Look at his very first sermon. He began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, when you pray, if you want your prayers answered, there's something you need to do. How many of you would like your prayers answered? How many would like your prayers answered? I'm going to arrest you a bunch of liars. Come on. How many would love your prayers to get answered? How many would love your needs met by the Lord? How many of you would love to walk in the provision of God? Let's just be frank. How many of you would like more stuff? I'm serious. How many of you would like to know that your clothing was taken care of? How many of you would like to know that your housing is taken care of? Well, there's a secret to this, and Jesus taught us about it. Look with me at Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6 and verse 33 reads like this. Seek first his kingdom. Would you say that with me? Seek first his kingdom. All right, now this side, ready? Seek first his kingdom. 
So there's a principle here. Do you realize the weight of what we just read? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Somebody say, all these things. The Lord showed me something, Pastor Michael, really powerful in this, in this passage. The key to receiving anything from God starts with seeking first the kingdom. Not only did Jesus start his message about the kingdom of God, not only did he say you must receive the kingdom of God like a child, why would Jesus say you need to receive the kingdom of God? Because if we do not receive the kingdom of God and have an understanding of the concepts of the kingdom of God, we will not receive anything from the kingdom of God. It all starts right here. If we want God flowing in our life and God's provision and blessing, we must seek His kingdom, meaning seek it out to find understanding. we got to understand what the kingdom is. Look at Luke 9, chapter 9, verse 1. Does this help anybody? Is this good? He called 12 together, gave them power and authority over demons and to heal disease. Now, I want you to catch this here. When the kingdom of God was manifest on the earth, things were seen. You could see something. There was something different. There was a power when the kingdom showed up. Look at this. He sent them out to proclaim that's the same word we use for preach. It means to herald. It's a herald of the king. He sent them out to herald. It sent them out to preach. Sent them out to proclaim the message of the kingdom and to perform healings. So Jesus called the 12 together and he said, I'm going to give you a message. I'm going to tell you what to say. He said, I want you to go out and preach the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. So Jesus preached the kingdom. The disciples preach the kingdom. How many know there may be something to this kingdom stuff in the Bible? Let me give you some stats. The Zondervan Encyclopedia of the Bible says this. The word kingdom is found 55 times in Matthew, 20 times in Mark, 46 times in Luke, and 5 times in John. It says this. These statistics show great importance of the concept and teachings of Jesus. There can therefore be little doubt that the phrase the kingdom of God expresses the main theme of his teaching. The kingdom of God is the main theme of the teaching of Jesus. But yet in our churches, in my own church, in my own life, I study very little about the kingdom of God. But it's the main thing. Somebody say, keep the main thing. The main thing. Say it with a little south. Keep the main thing. <laughs> the main thing. <laughs> How many of you are not from the South? Meshach, are you from the South? Okay. <laughs> Keep the main thing the main thing. Now, this is what we have to understand about the kingdom of God. This is the, this is the pull to TC. This is the great pull about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, is a future consummation that we will see. It is when Jesus will come back and rule and reign, and he will, he will literally be the king over all the earth and all of heaven. There's a future sense of the kingdom of God, but there is also a present reality. Jesus himself said the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is within your reach. It can be grasped. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so while I thank God for the coming kingdom of God, I think if we focus so much on the coming kingdom of God, we miss the kingdom of God right now in the here and now that God wants to do and God wants to show us. God's kingdom must be received. So let's just do a little history lesson. Let's start from the very beginning because this, this is the lens that you must look through. How many of you looked at the solar eclipse? How many of you looked at it without glasses? Did you come stumbling in this morning? 
You all looked at it without glasses? We need a healing service. Hallelujah. <laughs> Tyler's like, I ain't afraid of the sun. Wasn't that cool, man? That eclipse was really cool. If you missed it, I won't tell you how cool it was because I don't make you feel too bad, but it was really, really cool. So we had these special glasses. And you put them on, and, and Luke, you know, if you saw it, you can't see anything at all. And my kids were running around at home seeing if they work. They're looking at light bulbs and stuff. They're like, I can see the light bulb. I'm all panicking, put it down, put it down. You know, I'm all concerned. And, but we were there, and we had that glasses on, and we were looking. And the only thing that we could see with the glasses on was the sun and the moon coming through the eclipse. I couldn't see anything else. We need to train ourselves to read the Bible. You all do read the Bible, right? Is, are we doing a good job here? We need to train ourselves to read the Bible through the lens of the kingdom of God. Where When we read the Bible, we see the kingdom. Everything we read, we see the kingdom. Every promise in the New Testament, we see the kingdom of God. It's the lens through which we view all of the Bible. Look at this on the screen. I put them all up there for you. Number one, the Bible is about a king. Revelation 19.16 tells us this. The Bible is about a king. His name is Jesus. Can I have an amen? The Bible is about a royal family. Let me teach you this here. I heard a preacher say this this week, and I'd never thought about it. Churches today act more like subjects of a king than they act like the royal family of a king. We are not just subjects of a king paying homage and worship to a king. We do homage and we do worship. Can I have an amen? But we are not just subjects in a kingdom relating to a king. We are a part of the king's family. Yes, he's king, but I'm his son. Yes, he's king and, and supreme in authority, but I'm in the royal family. Isn't that good news? So we're not approaching God just as slaves and servants. We are slaves and we are servants to Christ. But we're not approaching our Father just as subjects in the kingdom. We are a part of the royal family, which means I have an even deeper love and an even deeper connection. I love our government and pray for our president and pray for our leaders, but I'm much closer to family. I'm much closer to mom and dad. If I had to choose, I'm taking mom and dad's side. Can I have an amen? We are, we are a part of the royal family. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. Don't take my word for it. Take good old Peter's word for it. You are a chosen race. It's not about being white or black or Hispanic or whatever. It's about being a chosen race of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? I'm a chosen race. Therefore, I can love anybody from any color and any creed. Because it's not about your color. It's about what's in your heart. The connection that makes us great is because we love Jesus. We're a chosen race. We're the people of God. And it says you are a royal priesthood. Say that with me. Say, I am a royal priesthood. There is royal blood flowing through your veins if you're a born-again believer of Jesus. We're royalty. Well, you ought not be that haughty and prideful. I didn't say it. God said it. It would be haughty and prideful if I were just out making it up on my own. But God said it, so it's actually pride if I don't come in alignment with what God says. Isn't that good? Number three, the Bible is about a kingdom. Now, what is a kingdom? Kingdom is simply a territory. A kingdom is simply a country. So the Bible talks about in Isaiah 9... There will be no end to his government. It will increase in peace and on the throne of David and over his kingdom, over his territory. The kingdom is a place. It's about a land. The Bible is about a government. It's not like our government. 
Aren't you glad? Praise the Lord. But it is about a government. Isaiah 31 and verse uh, 32 and verse 1 tells us here about the government of God. And so it's about a government that consists of a kingdom ruled by a king. And thank God for the way he set this up. Now this is hard for us because we live in, in America. Did you guys have a king or a democracy where you come from? Was there... Were you led by a king or was it more of a, a democracy? Okay. Everybody in this room, probably all of us, uh, have, have lived under a democracy or, or some kind of maybe dictatorship. I don't know anybody in this room has lived under an actual kingdom. So it's hard for Americans to understand the term king and kingdom because we live with a president. We live in a democracy. We voted on these people and we put them in office. A king is not voted on. A king is there because of his blood and a king has absolute final rule and authority. And so it's hard for us to shift our thinking about the government of God. Number five, you've got to read the Bible through this lens. The Bible is a colonization project. Say that with me. The Bible is a colonization project. What do kingdoms do? They colonize. I know that some, I think your country was colonized by the British, right? And so there are people in Malawi, Africa today who drink hot tea and wear suits in 110 degree weather. Why do they drink hot tea and wear suits in Malawi, Africa? Because they were colonized by the British. The British took their kingdom and they superimposed it on that land. And even though the British have now left, the culture remained. That's what kingdoms do. They colonize. The Spanish colonized Puerto Rico. Now even though the Spanish have left, Puerto Ricans still eat beans and rice and they still speak Spanish. Why? Because they were colonized by the kingdom. And so I want you to begin to read the Bible through this lens. It is a colonization project. The kingdom of heaven, which is invisible, God's invisible kingdom of heaven, he wants to colonize the earth and make the earth like the kingdom of heaven. We are in a colonization project. But there's a problem. Number six, the colony declared independence from the kingdom. The colony broke free from the kingdom. Therefore, God is redeeming. He's buying back. It's now the redemptive work of God. We are now in the recolonization project. God wanted to colonize the earth and make it like his invisible kingdom in heaven, make the things that are unseen seen. But man messed it up and gave away the rights of the colony when Adam and Eve fell. And now God is by the blood of Jesus and by the true king, we are recolonizing the earth for the kingdom of heaven. Is that good news? So here's how we can summarize the whole Bible. In this one sentence. Check this out on the screen. This one sentence summarizes the whole Bible. God wanted to extend his invisible kingdom of heaven to the physical earth. Remember, a kingdom is a territory. Say this, say a kingdom is a territory. The kingdom of heaven. God wanted to colonize the earth. So how does this happen? Remember, if you receive the kingdom of God, you must receive it like a child. Look with me, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3. This is a prophecy. This is something the Lord desires. And one called out to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Say that with me about the earth. Ready? The whole earth is full of his glory. Come on, say it again. The whole earth is full of his glory. So I want you to know something about that word glory. If you study that word glory way back in the original Hebrew language, it, it doesn't mean what we might think of. If, if I said, you know, if I said, Tito, I want you to define glory, you may have a good definition for it. 
But the word glory in the Old Testament, Hebrew, doesn't mean what we oftentimes think that it means. It actually means a weight. It means to be heavy. It means a weight that makes an imprint. And so literally when I read this, God God is proclaiming here that the whole earth is full of his weight. The whole earth. We're what is full of his weight? The earth. You could also translate that as the weight or influence of culture, meaning the whole earth is full of his culture. What culture? The culture of heaven. Didn't Jesus teach us to pray? Did he not say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Did Jesus not teach us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven? So we're in a recolonization project. The reason we exist as a church is because God wanted to take our community and take our city and take my home and infuse his dominion and infuse his rule and therefore colonize my family, colonize my church for the kingdom of heaven. I don't have to live under the weight of the earth. Let the whole earth be full of his glory. Let the whole earth be full. It makes an imprint. How many of you have ever went to the beach, walked on the sand, What happens when you walk on the sand? You make an imprint because your weight is greater than that of the sand. There's a density there. It's a a chemical property. It's a physics property. You You are heavier than the sand, so when you walk on the sand, you make an imprint. So God wants to make an imprint on the earth by His glory, by His weight. Meaning my family, how do do I bring the kingdom of God to my neighborhood? I allow the weight and the glory and the influence of God to permeate my family and I begin to make an imprint and a mark on the culture in my community, in my neighborhood. I begin to make an imprint on the culture in the city that I live. So this is what we want to look at and what we want to talk about. It's about culture. Say this to me. Say, culture follows people. Culture follows people. If you have a northern person, anybody from up north, any northern people? All right. Any, she's brave enough. Yeah, brave enough to say it. You still have some northern tendencies. You can probably drive in snow much better than us from the south because your culture follows you. If you live in, uh, let's say you live in Ecuador and you come to the U.S., when you come to the U.S., you're still going to eat beans and rice because culture follows people. It's because it's what you're used to. And so look with me at Philippians 3.20. Is this helping anybody? I hope this is good. I'm trying. It's making you hungry. Yeah. Beans and rice for everybody after the service. Just kidding. Don't get too excited. Miss Mary's like, no, wait, I don't have any beans. I don't have any rice. Look with me at Philippians 3.20. Now, I know this is different. I know this is, this is more of a teaching. But, but we've got to get this because we're going to study this for the next three weeks. And if we don't get this... If we don't get these concepts, we'll have the wrong understanding. And if we have the wrong understanding, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. We will not look through the right lens. When we read the Bible, we need to look through the lens of the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm not of this world. My citizenship is in heaven. And I eagerly wait for the saving of my Lord Jesus. God wants the earth to look like heaven. That's the bottom line. Jesus taught us this. I already read it, but let's look at it. Matthew 6. I want you to see it. I knew it was in here somewhere. I got ahead of myself. Look at this in Matthew 6 and verse... Not that. Matthew 6 and verse 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth 
as it is in heaven. So let's define kingdom here for just a few minutes. Let's define kingdom. You'll see this on the screen. Kingdom defined as this. It is the place where Jesus rules and reigns. Kingdom is of the God is, is the place where Jesus rules and reigns. Let's read that together. Ready? The kingdom of God is the place where Jesus rules and reigns. Let that settle in. The kingdom of God, say it again. Ready? The kingdom of God is the place where Jesus rules and reigns. So, yes, we have the kingdom of future tents in heaven, but what about now on the earth? What about God's saving and redemptive ruling and reigning in my heart? That is good news. What about in my sphere of influence? Can God reign in my life? Can God reign in my health? Let's just use that one. I've got several here. What is an area that I can see the kingdom of God? Can God reign and rule over my body, my physical body? Can God rule and reign and have authority over my marriage? Can God rule and reign and have authority over my destiny? We've got a lot of college students in here now that are looking for direction. Can God be in charge of your direction? Can God, can, can Jesus be the king of my finances? Well, it got quiet in this monastery this morning. Can Jesus be the final rule and authority? I want the kingdom of God to rule and reign. Then Jesus is in charge of my finances. What about my peace and my joy? Now listen, I want you to see this. You have the weight of the earth. You have the weight of earthly culture, which can dominate your health. You have the weight of the earthly culture, which can dominate your marriage. Meaning, you can try it out for a little while, and if it don't work, you can get a piece of paper and solve that problem. Culture is not pro-marriage. Can I have an amen? Pro culture is not pro-biblical health. Can I have an amen? We love doctors. We love nurses. Nothing against them. If you need a doctor, I'll be the one to take you there. But I'm just telling you, our culture as a whole is not promoting biblical health and diet even and, and, and even things of that line. So I can let the weight of earth direct my finances. I can let the weight of the culture of earth imprint my marriage. Meaning it's okay if I look at this or do this. or It's okay if I flirt with this lady at work and have this emotional connection. We've never done anything outside of just emotional. That's okay. Culture says that everybody on TV has an affair. Everybody on TV does this. What about letting the earth and the culture of earth invade my peace and my joy and causing me to worry? Have you watched the news lately? Has anybody watched the news? Dear me, if we let that stuff settle in, we won't have any peace, we won't have any joy. But I can either let the weight of the earth influence me, or I can say my mind is stayed on the Lord. God has never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. The Lord is my help and my shield. In Him I will trust. No matter what comes my way, a thousand may fall at my side or ten thousand at my right hand, but no harm or no evil shall come near to me. I can let the weight of the earth and the weight of culture direct and influence my family, or I can let the glory of God, the weight of God, the imprint of God influence my life and my health and my finances and my peace and my joy and my children. And all of a sudden, I'm living in the kingdom of God. When my children, <laughs> when my children go to prayer, when they feel sick before they come to us for medicine, they're establishing the kingdom of God. Now, we may assess they need medicine. I'm not against medicine. I'll take medicine. I've got a cough drop right here. Somebody say, he's not. 
against medicine. But the other day, Ava was pushing off a virus. Notice I didn't say she had a virus because we don't want to keep that thing. She's resisting a virus. And, and I text Tara and I said, make sure Ava gets the healing scriptures out. And make sure Ava gets the healing CDs out. She's 10 years old. And she's going to do that and she's going to pray. And if she's not better in a certain time, we'll gladly take her to the doctor. She was healed, didn't need to go to the doctor. Come on, can we give God thanks? Come on, let's give God thanks. Within about six hours, she was totally better. Now again, you can't practice your faith on your children. Don't you dare lay there and let your children suffer because you're trying to get your faith to work, okay? But you know what? Daddy was at work. Mama was taking care of the babies. Guess who activated their faith? My 10-year-old daughter. Guess who brought the kingdom of God to bear on her situation at 10 years old? My little daughter. Guess who's one happy dad? Again, now please don't misunderstand me. It's not even just about health or medicine or any of that. My point is we can let culture imprint us and we can have the weight of the culture or we can have the weight of the glory of God. The kingdom in heaven can be done on the earth. And so we got to make a choice. What about in my mind? The Bible says, great peace has the one whose mind is stayed on you. Culture will rip your mind apart. Culture will have you worried and anxious about what's next and your major and your future. And, but you've got to keep your mind stayed on the Lord. So for a few minutes here, we have some time. I want to talk about how do we receive this. How many of you like to receive the kingdom of God? Like a child. So I begin to think about this, Pastor Michael. I begin to, now this word for child in the original language gives us some insight here. Most scholars think it's a young child maybe even infant age, because the children were bring, the parents were bringing them. So this tells us little kids. This isn't, you know, Bryce, you know, teenager age. How many know Bryce doesn't think he's a child anymore? He's a man now, amen, close, not quite, he's close. He's on his way. This is like Lillian. This is like two, three years old. How many think Lillian's just the cutest little thing? Man, she is a pistol, I'll tell you what. If y'all could live with her and, and, and just, man, she, she has no self-esteem problem. The other day I said, Lillian, she was singing a song, loves to sing. Candy, she's, got, she's wanting your job. I'm telling you, she's got you marked. She's wanting to take your job. Lillian's three years old, two and a half, three years old, one of, one of those, two, two and almost three years old. And she was singing the other day. When you have four kids, it's hard to keep up with it, all right? She was singing the other day. And... And I said, Lillian, that sounds good. She said, I'm a good singer. <laughs> she said, I'm a good singer. I said, yes, you are. Praise God. I mean, I'm not about to squish that in her. Man. Now, when she's about 10, we'll decide, yeah, you're good or no, you need to do something else, you know, because by then we should know if she's really got something or not. Hey, the worst thing you can do is tell somebody that they can sing when they can't. Come on, let's be honest. Everybody in the room knows you're terrible, but your mama lied to you and said you could sing. Somebody do somebody a favor and just let them listen. Here, I recorded you today. Go home and listen to it. Hallelujah. I ain't talking to anybody in specific. But. but my point is we want to receive the kingdom like a child. So I just brainstorm. Some of these make more sense than others. I shared some with George. We bounced some ideas off each other. I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to lay out for you, how does Lillian, somewhere between two and a half and three, closer to three, how does my sweet little Lillian receive things? Pull back up if you can, Jared, Mark 10, 15, before we go into these. Mark 10, 15. 
We can't miss this. Now listen, listen to this. We can't miss this. This is so important to everything in our Christianity. This is really, this is the key. Look at this, ready? Truly, I say to you, anytime Jesus starts out with truly, you need to listen. It means perk up your ears. He's saying, I don't care what other people said. This is the truth. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, say that with me, like a child, won't receive the kingdom of God at all. And you know, there's something about a child receiving that we can learn from in relationship to kingdom of God. Now, I understand I'm just barely scratching the surface. That's why we're going to talk about this for the next three weeks. All right, number one, like a child, meaning we don't have to wait. He didn't say anyone who has fully grown up and matured. Now, I'm not just talking about physical age. I'm not just talking about meaning six- and seven-year-old children can receive from Jesus. Yes, they can, but the principle is we can receive the kingdom of God now. We don't have to wait. Like a child, meaning there is no qualification for age or time or race or background. You can receive it right now in the kingdom of the Lord. Number two, children live in the rights of their parents. I mean, even Noah can't just walk down the street at my neighborhood and start swimming in the neighbor's pool. I mean, that would not be good. That would not go well for them. They can't just decide to go into my neighbor's house and eat their food. They can't just decide to go in my neighbor's house and watch their TV because they have no right to be in there. But Ava and Noah run all over our home and they eat all of our food. I have to hide the food that I don't want them to eat. <laughs> Lillian runs everywhere. She thinks she can just do anything in any room. She doesn't say, can I go in this room? Can I go in the bedroom? Can I go downstairs and play? She goes anywhere that her little heart desires, anywhere her little hair will take her. That's where she goes. How many know she lives under the rights of her parents? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, listen. I, we're going we're gonna to land this plane in a minute, but please don't miss this. Listen to this. She lives under the rights of my life. My parents and, and me and Tara, she lives under the rights. So because I am a royal child, because I'm a child of the king, I live under the rights of God. I don't live under the rights of the earth. I live under the rights of my royal dad who is the king. Everything he has, I have access to. But I've got to receive it. I've got to receive it. Number three, children do not work for their provisions. Young children. Lillian hasn't come up and said, Dad, I want a cracker. Go mow the yard. <laughs> and then I'm, if you do a good job, I'll give you a cracker. I mean, no, Daddy has to work for his provision. Money doesn't just magically show up at my house. I got to work. I got to work hard. I mean, if, I'm going to tell you a secret, all you young folks in the house. If you want more money, work harder. Come on, amen? Work harder. Work smarter. So Lillian doesn't work for her provisions. Catch this now. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're receiving the kingdom like a child. I don't have to work for the blessings and benefit of the kingdom of God. I'm receiving it like a child. Lillian doesn't work. Tate doesn't have to do anything to get food except cry. And he does that a lot. I mean, you know, Tate hasn't missed very many meals. Could I have a day bad? Look at number four. I thought, of it, I thought about Lillian. The other day I was telling her something futuristic. Mom and dads, guardians, we got a lot of guardians in here that may not be physical mom and dads, but you're guardians of your children. If you tell them something, you need to do it. 
Let them see God honor his word by you honoring your word. My children write it down. If I say something, they'll go downstairs and write it down. And they'll come back a month later, hey, Dad, remember you said this? And I don't remember I said it, but my kids, if they really, honestly, out of integrity, they'll remind me if I said it, then we're going to do it. Because if you say it, you got to do it. Say that with me. Say, if you say it, you need to do it. Look at this one right here. Children, take you at your word. This is what me and George were talking about. They're so simple. I told Lillian, I said, Lillian, if you'll pee in the potty, because that's where we are. We're working on that. We're, tr we're really trying to move in that direction. Have you guys seen the blind bags? You know what the blind bags are? It's a phenomenon, which you, you all are old. You don't understand what blind bags are. <laughs> blind bags are little bags of toys that you buy. No offense if you don't know what one is, but you're old. Blind bags are, blind bags are little bags of toys. But I still love you. I love old people. Praise God. Blind bags are little bags of toys. That's why I love Bob. That's why I like hanging out with Bob. Amen. Blind, I got to get over here. I'm in trouble. Blind bags are little bags of toys that you open, and you have no idea what's inside of it. It's a surprise every time you open it. And so I said, Lillian, if you'll start using the potty like Mommy does and Daddy does and being a big girl, we'll go buy you a bunch of blind bags. The very next morning, she got up. She said, Daddy, I'm going to use the potty, and I want a blind bag. I said, okay, we'll go get it. Brooke, she took me at my word. She didn't say, now, Father, let me see your bank account, see if you can provide this blind bag for me. Let me see if you are serious about this. I've heard others who said they were going to buy blind bags and they didn't come through. <laughs> she got up and she was excited that dad was going to buy her a blind bag. Whoever wants to receive the kingdom of God must receive it as a child. Believe the book. Quit arguing with God about his promises. Just believe the book. Just take God at his word. Just let the Lord be God and King, and, and you just believe what He says. Man, that's good. Keep it simple. Keep it face value. We don't need a theological discourse for 16 years about if God wants to help you in this situation or things we should pray about. The Bible says it. Let's go for it. Let's believe it. That's a good place to say amen. Number five. Children, Lily and Tate, they cannot take care of themselves. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can do nothing apart from me. How do we receive the kingdom, Miss Kathy? We receive it like a child, meaning I cannot do anything to provide for myself. I've just got to receive from the Father. Do this with me if you can. Just close your eyes and stretch your hand toward heaven. And in your heart, just say, Lord, I receive from you. Just tell him, I commit right now to receive everything that you have for me and my family. I will not work for it. I cannot earn it. I do not deserve it, but I receive it from you. I cannot take care of myself. I rely on your provision because you're my king. Jesus' name. Number six, just thinking about my kids. They are so excited to receive gifts. They're so excited when they get presents. They can't wait. What if we approach God's word that way? We're so excited to receive everything God has for us. Why? Because we're colonizing the earth. When I receive the kingdom, I can then pass it on. I can then colonize my family for the kingdom of heaven. I can then colonize my neighborhood for the kingdom of heaven. I can colonize my school for the kingdom of heaven. Look at number seven. 
Children love the attention of their parents. Even Ava and Noah at their age, they will do all kinds of things to get my attention. They want to get my attention. Let me, let me say this real, real clear if I can. Let me take a little path here. Parents and future parents. I believe one day TC and Sam will be great parents. I really believe it. Parents or future parents. Let me, let me help you something that I've learned. Celebrate the good things. If all you do is give your children attention when they are bad, something inside of them that needs attention says, when I'm bad, I get attention. Dad won't talk to me or play with me. Your mom doesn't have time for me. But if I act out at school, then I get some time with mom and dad. It may not be the quality time that we would imagine, but I promise you it's, it's proven in the mind. Children think this way. If they act out and they get attention, they will continue to do the thing that gets them attention. I spend way more time rewarding good things for my kids. Do we discipline for the bad things? Sure. But we go over the top. We have a little chart, and every time they come home, and every time they make a 100 on their papers at school, they get something special. I am always looking for ways to affirm and bless my children. The other day, I said, Noah, come here. I said, hey, why don't you help us clean up the dishes? And I said it real quiet. And then as he was doing what I told him, I said, hey, everybody, look, Noah's being such a servant today. Isn't he doing such a great job? And we all just encouraged him. Right? We clap at my house just like we clap here. You think I'm lying. We clap all the time. Lily and Pete in the body. Yay. Or it's Lily and Pete in the floor. Oh, no. Look, look and listen, let me tell you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. Catch them doing something right. God is not trying to catch you doing something wrong. He's trying to catch you doing something right. I'm always, we are always affirming our kids to the point where it's, it's to the point, honestly, I'm just saying this, they're not perfect kids. They have their flaws. But it's to the point where they've realized it's much better when I behave. It's much better when I'm honest. It's much better when I'm doing things right. It's much better because the consequences over here. They've realized that, that good behavior brings good things. And that's the same way it is with the Lord. Children love the attention of their parents. That's why we worship. Why do we come in here and worship and prepare? Because we love the attention of our King. We want to get the attention of God because we love His presence. Look at number eight. Children love the supernatural. That's why they wear capes and pretend to be Batman and Superman and my little pony and all whatever else supernatural they can do. Children love the supernatural. How about in the kingdom of God? We love the supernatural. We love to see God only do what he can do. We love to see his super in the natural. Number nine, children don't have all the knowledge. Don't wait until you have it all figured out to receive the kingdom, to colonize your family for the kingdom of heaven, to colonize your work. Don't wait until you know all the answers. Don't wait until you have all the knowledge. Number 10, children are teachable. And they're so ready to learn. How about we approach the book ready to learn and we be teachable. We receive the kingdom like a child. Number 11, last one. Children celebrate small things. They celebrate when they grow. They celebrate small achievements. Don't miss the supernatural because you're looking for the spectacular. Don't miss the little things in your life. God is working in your life. Don't overlook the hand of God in your life because you're looking for this big thing. Remember the fire and the wind? God wasn't there, but God was in the still, small voice. Ladies and gentlemen, over the next two more weeks, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about 
sacrificing for the kingdom and even maybe the call to suffer for the kingdom. But it affects everything we do. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. I mean, you can see this morning, maybe afresh or maybe for the first time, the kingdom of God is really, really important. Amen. I want to ask Pastor Michael to come. I want him to pray with us. I want him to give you a chance this morning. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, he's going to tell you about that, tell you how to do that. And I want him to lead us in a prayer to receive the kingdom of God this morning. Let's close our eyes as he comes to pray. Thank you for being here today. We sure love you so much. I hope that you were ministered to today and hope that you were encouraged to go home and seek out more about God's kingdom because it is, it is the fundamental truth in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. With nobody looking around, if this morning you want to make that choice to, maybe for the first time or for the hundredth time, to rededicate yourself, to say, Lord, I, I need you to be just that, to be Lord, to be king again. There's some areas of your heart that you're saying his rule and reign needs to be established in this area. I just want you to slip up your hand so that we can pray for you as a staff this week. If that's where you're at, if it's for the first time or the hundredth time, we want to pray with you. Okay. Thank you. Let's pray this together. Just say, dear Lord, we thank you for your love. And we thank you for how you're establishing yourself in our lives. May we be focused on what you're already doing. How we can put our hand to work next to yours. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace. May we extend it to those next to us to see your kingdom established in their lives. Thank you for your rule. Thank you for your reign. Amen and amen. Lord, I just thank you for all the people that have gathered here today, Lord. We thank you for how you are bringing revelation to our body right now of your kingdom's establishment and its work. God, I pray that it is so many things in our fibers of our being, of our very culture, that don't align with who you are, Lord. Would you begin to shift the paradigm of our thinking and our understanding, to understand that, Lord, you are just and you are true and you are holy, Lord. And may our thoughts and our ways align with yours here on earth that we could see heaven come, that we could see heaven come, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Bless your people as we go. And may we celebrate your goodness in our lives. In your name we pray, amen and amen. We love you. Thanks for joining us today for worship. And uh, hang out a little bit and, and talk to someone as we uh, unpack and pack up and all that.